Hi everyone, welcome back to Daily Gospel Exegesis, where we look at the Gospel reading from today's Catholic Mass, and we try to provide an exegesis of the text. What's the text really saying on the literal level? Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 32 to 37. A man was brought to Jesus, a dumb demoniac, and when the devil was cast out, the dumb man spoke and the people were amazed. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel, they said. But the Pharisees said, It is through the prince of devils that he casts out devils. Jesus made a tour through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing all kinds of diseases and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them, because they were harassed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is rich, but the labourers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send labourers to his harvest. So, what's the context? What's been happening just before this passage? That's where we should always start when we're thinking about doing an exegesis. So, In chapters 8 and 9, Jesus has been moving through Galilee. He's been doing lots of different healings, and he's been teaching in their synagogues. And in the passage just prior to this one, he's healed two blind men. So now they bring another man to Jesus in verse 32. He's a dumb demoniac. So there's a demon inside this man that's causing the man to be unable to speak. So this shows that demons do have the power to cause quite severe physical conditions in some cases, and that's what's happened here. And the people knew that. The people knew, apparently, that he was uh, possessed by a demon. That was part of their worldview. They were quite okay with accepting that uh, some conditions were due to demons. It's possible that this man had been brought to other exorcists because some Jewish leaders, spiritual leaders, uh, had the power to be exorcists, at least sometimes, but nothing had worked. So it appears that they've uh, you know, brought a really tough case to Jesus here. Verse 33, And when the devil was cast out, so the text jumps straight to that. We're not told how Jesus casts it out, just that he does do it. The dumb man spoke and the people were amazed. So no other exorcists had been able to cast out a demon like this. It's a very strong demon, but Jesus does it and the people are amazed. And this is what they say. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. So, these, collectively, the things that Jesus has done, I guess individually, the things that Jesus has done, like healing lepers, curing the sick, raising the dead, getting rid of demons, all of those had happened in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, I should say. Uh, So, the Jews were familiar with all of those things. They had happened in the past of Israel. But never before have they been performed by one person with such authority. So, never before has there been like a sudden sequence of incidents all together at the same time by one man who was announcing the coming of God's kingdom. So, that's what they mean when they're saying nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Verse 34. The Pharisees said, so now we have the Pharisees introduced... And as you would know, this is a group of Jewish leaders who are constantly in denial that Jesus is sent by God. 
And the reason they're in denial is not because they believe God wouldn't send a messenger. They do believe that God can do that. But because Jesus doesn't fit the model of what they expect a prophet to be, because Jesus does things like he eats with tax collectors and sinners, he seems to show disregard for the ritual purity laws, and he's already offered forgiveness of sins apart from the temple. So he's done all these things which to them seem to contradict the Jewish faith. So they're going to look for any other explanation apart from he's sent by God. So this is the explanation they offer of the healing he just did. It is through the prince of devils that he casts out devils. So the devil is able to perform supernatural works, and the Jews believed that. They knew that the devil could do some forms of sorcery. And so the Pharisees decide, well, this man has just done a healing, so it must be sorcery. He must be empowered by the devil, basically. Notice that the Pharisees acknowledge that Jesus has done something supernatural here. They don't deny that but they're unwilling to accept that it's because he has the power of God. So instead, they say, well, he must have the power of the devil. Now, later in chapter 12, this whole thing is developed further because, once again, the Pharisees accuse him of being possessed by the devil. And in chapter 12, Jesus addresses the claim by giving that famous parable about a house divided cannot stand. And so he actually refutes this claim later on in Matthew. But at this stage, he doesn't say anything. Verse 35, Jesus made a tour through all the towns and villages. So this is a summary statement that Matthew has put in to uh, bring together all of the activities that Jesus has done across the land of Israel. He made a tour through all the towns and villages. And and probably it's referring to um, mostly the region of Galilee here. So this ends Matthew's section in his gospel. Chapter 8 and 9 form one basic unit about Jesus' healing ministry, where he does 10 miracles. And so that is finished up now, that we just saw the 10th miracle. Notice that it says he taught in their synagogues as part of his ministry in chapter 8 and 9. That was a common practice in Judaism. Preachers would come and preach in these local synagogues. It was kind of like a local parish that everyone would go to regularly. And people would come to hear these traveling rabbis give religious instruction, probably referring to, in particular, preaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And it also says that he went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing all kinds of diseases and sickness. So that's a really nice summary statement of everything Jesus has been doing in Galilee. Notice he's not proclaiming, uh, believe in me and you'll go to heaven. As I often point out in this podcast, the good news, the gospel, according to Jesus, is the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what he's preaching. So we now get to verse 36. So this actually begins a new section of the gospel of Matthew, which runs through pretty much right until the end of chapter 10 and addresses the issue of leadership. When Jesus saw the crowds, so at this point, there's thousands of people flocking to him from all over the countryside. Matthew says he felt sorry for them, or more literally, he was moved with pity. And this carries this idea of deep emotional concern. Why is he feeling sorry for the crowds? Matthew tells us, because they were harassed and dejected. So this has two meanings. On the literal level, it's probably referring to sort of a physical um, harassment, as in the crowds following Jesus were so large 
that it was becoming uncomfortable for them and Jesus couldn't get to everyone. So everyone was panicking and yelling at Jesus and it wasn't particularly a pleasant spot for them to be perhaps because they're all clamoring for Jesus. So in that sense, they're harassed and dejected. But then he also, Matthew adds in this editorial comment, they're harassed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Now that's a very Jewish metaphor. It basically, shepherd means leader. So this phrase means the Jewish people need care and a leader to help keep them going because they're sheep. But in this case, they don't have the leader. This expression is used all through the Old Testament where the people are referred to as sheep and God is referred to as a shepherd. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 34 in particular, it describes the suffering of God's people due to corrupt leaders who are called corrupt shepherds who did not help the people walk in God's ways and instead they left God's people vulnerable. And that might be the case here with the people that are following Jesus, as in the religious leaders that they're used to, the Pharisees, are not true shepherds. They're quite corrupt. But the good news is, in Ezekiel chapter 34, and this is probably all in uh, the background of Matthew as he's writing, it foretells that one day God would come to shepherd the people himself, And he's going to give them one shepherd, a Davidic king, who's going to be this final, eternal, good shepherd. So that's probably a prediction of the Messiah, actually. And so Matthew here, by bringing up like sheep without a shepherd, probably his readers would have thought of this passage from Ezekiel 34. So Matthew is showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who's come to tend to Israel and to gather them together. So Jesus notices they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he then says to his disciples, so this is a teaching opportunity. He says to them, the harvest is rich, but the laborers are few. Now that's an agricultural metaphor that they would be familiar with. As in, there's lots of grain ready to be picked, but there's not enough people to pick the grain. And the metaphor here is representing the kingdom. So the idea, according to Jesus, is that As he's speaking, there's lots of people ready to enter into the kingdom of God and perhaps progress further in the kingdom of God, but there's not enough workers of the kingdom to help them get into the kingdom. So in particular, there's not enough skilled laborers to help people get into the kingdom. But Jesus is about to remedy this problem, as we see, by sending out the apostles. That is supposed to be a solution to the problem of there's not enough workers in the vineyard. Well, he's about to send workers into the vineyard. So he says, the harvest is rich, but the laborers are few. Now that ends chapter 37, which is where today's lectionary is supposed to end. However, if you look at the lectionary reading for today, it actually includes verse 38. So the last phrase in verse 38 is, so ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to his harvest. So it makes sense to include that phrase. I suspect that this is actually a typo, as in the lectionary did intend to include chapter 38, because it makes sense, it's all part of one thought, but then the lectionary heading or title incorrectly labelled this reading as finishing at verse 37, even though it doesn't actually finish at verse 37. So I think it's a typo, and we're supposed to include verse 38 today, because that's the lectionary does include verse 38, just not in the title. I hope that makes sense. So verse 38, So ask the Lord of the harvest to send labourers to his harvest. So remember, Jesus is speaking to the apostles here. He's instructing his disciples to keep praying for more converts, and in particular, to keep praying for leaders, for laborers who can expand the kingdom. 
So that finishes today's text. Let's now turn to the Catechism. Where do we find a reference uh, to this reading? Paragraph 2611. This is in the section about Jesus teaches us how to pray. The prayer of faith consists not only in saying, Lord, Lord, but in disposing the heart to do the will of the Father. Jesus calls his disciples to bring into their prayer this concern for cooperating with the divine plan. So you'll hear that last sentence, of course, references what Jesus says at the end here. In our prayers, we should be uh, bringing to God our desire to cooperate with God's divine plan to bring more people into the kingdom. That's the basic idea there. So that finishes what we are doing in today's podcast. Thank you once again for listening. Could I encourage you, if you've been listening for a long time and you've benefited and you believe the ministry is worth supporting, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Even just 5 or $10 a month does make a difference, helps us cover the basic costs and helps us plan for new things that we can do, more gospel exegesis and maybe more exegesis of other parts of the Bible as well. But we can't do that without your support. So please keep this ministry in your prayers. Tell other people about it and consider coming alongside us and becoming a partner. All of that information is in the show notes. Thanks once again, and hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow.